my son was wheeled into ICU level three, looked like he wasn't going to make it. And I was literally lying on the hospital floor in Sydney at Randwick, crying my eyes out as this alone, lost man that couldn't take my little boy's pain away. And I felt this beautiful, soft hand on my shoulder. And she says, oh, hi, Michael, I'm such and such. I'm the CEO of the Miracle Babies Foundation. We're going to take care of your little boy. Come with me. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you you taking the time. My pleasure, mate. No worries in the world. So I um, heard about you originally from my mum. She's a, a bookkeeper and she went to a seminar. I can't remember which one it was. And she saw you speak. And um, when I started doing podcasting, you know, about six months ago, she mentioned to me, hey, you have to get this guy, Michael Crosland, on. I'm like, okay, who is he? What's, what's, the, what's the MO, as they say? Uh, and she said, well, he spoke at this, this gig and there was not a, a dry eye in the room. You know, everyone was in tears and, and extremely touched. And she said, you're a beautiful person. And, and um, she was really impacted by your talk. So that's why I got you on. And I'd love for you to, to share your story to starting off and, and your journey and, and, and who Michael is. Very kind of you, mate. And I'm, I'm glad that your mum, uh, I guess the message intended was the message received. And I think she was at the Richard Branson event that I, uh, that I spoke at um, down, down in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane or wherever it was. But, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to share a little of my journey. And I, uh, I've got to be honest, mate, I, I'm just an ordinary old Australian that's faced my fair share of adversities and now very, very privileged to normally travel the world and share it with people. In 2019, I was on 186 flights. I got a chance to speak in uh, 22 different countries. I traveled with the Dalai Lama, with, with Richard Branson. Um, I was supposed to tour last year with Tony Robbins, but obviously uh, something uh, that starts in C and ends in Ovid had a huge impact on uh, on that. But, um, you know, as I said, I, I, I think that, you know, we all have a story. We, we all have pain. We all have suffering. But what differentiates us all is not the depth of our darkness, but rather our solutions to our problems. And I think that for me, I've been able to really focus on identifying and focusing on um, the learnings from the darkness and, and the learnings from the challenges to become a better man and a better human being and, and a better person to strive to serve other people um, from, from those adversities and those challenges. And, and as your mum probably shared with you, I, I faced my fair share. I, uh, I was diagnosed with an incurable cancer as a baby, uh, 11 months old. I had neuroblastoma stage four. Um, they told me I had no chance of survival to go home. And my mum didn't take that lightly. And she didn't take that as the final answer. And she asked one question. I don't want to know what the chances are of my son dying. I just want to know what the chances are of my son surviving. And the doctor said that I had a 96% death rate. So mum said, great, um, my son's going to be in the 4% category. Uh, we started chemo on my first birthday. My chemo cycle was nine days on, uh, three days off, nine days on, three days off, not for weeks, not for months, but for years. Um, after two and a half years, they told me that or told my family that the treatment had no longer done the job. The tumour had built a resistance. It took over half of my body. Uh, it had spread up into my aorta. It was crushing my spine. It was wrapping around my heart. Uh, so I went into surgery. Six hours later, the doctors came out and said, there's nothing we can do. Um, we didn't get it all, and we're sorry. Uh, my dad and my three older sisters, they were flown 
from my hometown here in Coffs Harbour down to Sydney, uh, straight to Camperdown Children's Hospital to basically say goodbye. But the next day there was an American doctor who was trying experimental drug on 25 patients. He had 24 candidates and he asked whether we wanted to be number 25. Uh, long story short, you know, I, I really believe that hope is one of the most powerful words in the English dictionary. If, if we can instill hope into somebody's life, we can instill courage, determination, passion. It's, it's amazing what we can achieve with just a little bit of hope. And we obviously said yes. They had no idea what the side effects would be of the drug, um, but the side effects were horrific. Within one day, we were all transferred from the oncology ward to the burns unit. We were wrapped up in bandages and they would lie us in bars full of ice trying to prevent our brains from frying because the after effects of this drug had burnt us from head to toe. Uh, within 90 days, 24 out of the 25 of us that were on that drug had passed away and I was the lone survivor. And I say to people around the world that I'm one of the lucky ones, but I, I never say I'm one of the lucky ones because I'm still alive. I say I'm one of the lucky ones because I wasn't my mum. I... I didn't have to go to death counselling once a week for two hours to deal with what was going to happen to a little boy. I didn't have to make a choice to inject a drug into somebody that you love more than anything in the world um, that is going to continue to burn him and possibly kill him. But my mum never gave up and because she never gave up on me, how could I possibly ever give up on me? So they burned me for 18 months. Um, and eventually they gave me the news that I was allowed to go home. They said I'd never go to school. I'd never play sport. I'd be a housebound baby, and if I reached my teenage years, it would be a miracle. <clears throat> but as you know, um, those things weren't the case. I, um, I'm now 37 years young. I uh, have been fortunate enough to travel the world. I went to school. I graduated high school. Um, yeah, there was a lot of hiccups along the way. I had my first heart attack when I was 12. I had another one when I was 18. But sport was my big, uh, my big hold. I, I was passionate about the sport of baseball. And my big dream as a little boy was to play baseball in America. And, um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to achieve that when I was 14. Represented this great country, a part of the Australian Expos touring program. Uh, got a chance to live over there when I was 17. Graduated high school, got a scholarship to, to play baseball and study sports psychology. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing when you don't give up on yourself and you believe in a bigger story and a bigger dream and in a bigger vision that you possibly could imagine for oneself. It's uh, remarkable what you can actually achieve and uh, to get a chance to play in stadiums with 20,000 seats and, and do something that people told you all your life you'd never be able to do is, is pretty cool. But um, life is like a roller coaster. You know, I was only over there for six months before I had my second heart attack. My career was over. Never played baseball again in America. I came back, did a TV show on Australian stories. I got into banking, worked my way up into a corporate uh, role very, very quickly. I had 600 staff. And um, I guess I could say I finally hit rock bottom in 2010, 2011. Got bacterial meningitis, got fluid on the brain. I had Bell's palsy, had to learn to walk again and talk again. And I think that was, that was probably the time where... Um, you know, I don't usually share this, but that was probably the time when I just had enough. I, I didn't want to fight anymore. I'd, um, I thought to myself, how many times does one man need to get kicked before you give me a chance to lead a normal life? I, I finally got a chance to taste a little bit of freedom. I got a chance to taste some good health and some great happiness, and, and it was taken away from me deeply. Um, 
but I think we must embrace the coolness of the shadows to truly enjoy the warmth of the sunshine. And I think the best way to grow and the best way to learn is through suffering. And in those times of suffering, I, I learned a whole heap about myself and about what I wanted in life. I walked away from the materialistic wealth of what people perceive as success and I chased this burning desire to serve and impact others. Um, so then I started to get into the speaking world. Uh, I started to get into the humanitarian space. I opened my own orphanage. We were told we'd never be able to have kids. So I opened up an orphanage. I opened up a school. I think the key to transformation is through education. So we've got 270 kids at our school, 44 kids that live in our orphanage. And then uh, 2016, my world... Um, my world took a real deep challenge, and that was when I was diagnosed again with four more tumours of the throat, and they told me that my tomorrows weren't guaranteed. But I was in a different mind space. I, I was in a space where I, one, realised that tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody, so that's something that everybody listening, yourself and I and everyone around us has in common. But I realized that the doctor wasn't God and he didn't make the decision of when and how long I had left in my life to be able to do the best I could to live into my legacy and not just leave a legacy. Now, I wrote a book, as you know, um, that was written in the time frame between me being diagnosed and my operation. Uh, I planned my own funeral. I did a video message saying goodbye to my family. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew exactly what they meant to me because I think there's a lot of people in this world that don't get a chance to say goodbye. And I was so blessed with that opportunity. But um, I had the operation. They removed three out of the four tumours. The fourth tumour is wrapped around my vocal cord. Um, there's nothing they can do about that. But I, I really believe that the quality of one's life is, is not dictated or determined by the amount of days that we live, but it's about what we fit into those days. And I promise you I fit a lot into my days. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful and so blessed every single day to have experienced the pain and suffering, to continue to experience those challenges, um, but to have this unwavering devotion to serve other people and um, you know be the best version I possibly can. And then in 2017 and again earlier this year, we were blessed with two of the most incredible miracles that we could ever ask for, and that was... Um, That was the arrival of my beautiful little boy. Um, he, uh, he arrived very early. He arrived um, 10 weeks premature and um, we were given four days with him. But um, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing what courage and, and fight a child that has no choice can show. And, um, you know, we celebrated his fourth birthday a couple of days ago. And Congratulations. He's a, yeah, he's a beautiful, healthy little boy. And, and then, um, you know, to welcome our beautiful little princess into the world in January, um, you know, I'm just, I'm eternally grateful for the life that I've, lived the lessons that I've learned and and now incredibly grateful for the impact that I can still have whilst I'm still here. 
so there is uh there's a, there's my my life in a nutshell that's what that's what your mum heard over a uh, an hour or a 90 minute session i just tried to pack it into 10 or 15 minutes and hopefully it um hopefully it does it justice i'm absolutely speechless it's it's incredible that you're here right now and that you're talking to me right now and what what profoundly hit me so much you know just a bit of insight i've said this before on the podcast so I'll, I'll keep it brief but the only reason that i'm here is because of the adversity that i went through as well and i didn't go nearly through as much as what you've been through um but my every single adversity i've had in my life you know has led me to something bigger and better and i, I fully resonate with you know, when, you, when you're in that darkness, when you're in that shadow, when you're suffering, and I'll just tell you what I, for me, like it was, I feel so, <laughs> it feels so insignificant to say what, what it was for me, but I will share it anyway. It was just really, really bad insomnia. And, and like, for me, I was suffering for so long with that. And I, again, I feel so silly saying this because it seems so small and, 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 and I haven't been through as much as what you've been through. But I understand a part of what you're saying, which is that adversity creates character and adversity creates a life that you would never dream of, uh, dreamt of. And there was a book that I was reading by Jonathan Haidt and he goes through, and Jonathan Haidt's a, a social psychologist and he goes through this fictional scenario of uh, a mother who has these, who has kids and someone comes to her and says, when your when your son is four years old, when he's eight years old, when he's twelve years old, he at four years old he's going to lose, he's going to get in a car accident, he's going to lose his legs. When he's eight years old, he's going to go through like a, a traumatic event um, with another kid, and then when he's older, he's going to have a breakup, and all these things happen. And as a parent, you're so tempted to be like, "Hey, like let me take that away, let me take that pain, that suffering away." And what he was trying to display through this narrative, through this story, was. You can take those things away, but you also take away the lessons that come with it. And like you said there, I'm just repeating the same stuff. It's like you create the narrative of your own life through the adversity you go through. You know, the, the downs create the ups. So the only reason I'm here, and like, like you said, act of service, the only reason that I'm here right now is, is because I had those things go on. And I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed and honored to, to hear that story from you and, and to be here with you. My pleasure, mate. And I agree with you 100%. Like, I think that it's, it's not so much trivializing the depth of our darkness because we all, we all have different depths. Um, and that's, that's what I said at, at the beginning, you know, it's not about um, our problems because we all have them. It's our solutions. And to your point, some people have very minor issues, not saying yours was, but like someone cutting them off in a car on their way to work and that ruins their day because they've just allowed themselves to dip below the line and think that they're a victim and that their life's not fair. Whereas other people that have had real challenges and real adversity have used that as a character building opportunity for them to lay the foundation to become a better person and a better human being. And I think, you know, to echo what you were saying, it's, it's so true. You know, I think adversity with the right mindset can be a remarkable gift. Absolutely. You know, and like you said, hope is the most profound word. I remember being in the darkest times and then I'd find a solution or find something that might work. And people who are listening to this can relate as well. Like you find something that works and you're like, yes, this is going to be the thing. It's going to change everything for me. 
And, and you know, like it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but hope knowing that there's a brighter side is, is everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I had some other stuff I've been through as well after that, um, which I won't go into, but you know, like it's the same thing. I felt like, is, is it going to stop? You know, I had went to, went to the hospital and I'll just say I had really severe migraines. I thought I had a tumor in my, my brain. Like, you know, you start to freak out like worst case scenario. And it was just after I fixed the insomnia and it's like, it's kept going, going, going. And still now it's ongoing. I have these really bad migraines sometimes. Um, but yeah, again, like it's, it's the small things, right? It's, it's just understanding that the mindset that comes with it. Um, and I'd love for you to share, you know, what, what has gotten you through these hard times and what is getting you through these hard times? What, what goes through your mind and, and what can people do from a mindset perspective to get through these hard times in their own life? Yeah, I think that we uh, we are very easily sucked into a victim mindset and a victim mentality where we just believe that, oh, that would be right, just another thing, just another thing to make our life even harder than what it already is. And, yes, you know, I I, I always hear the whole perspective, you know, just turn the TV on, all you got to do is realise that there are people out there that are worse off than you. You know, I, I heard an amazing story the other day about a, a photographer who was taking photos about, uh, in Africa and um, in the slums. And he took a photo of this tiny little boy who was so malnourished and he was literally crawling. And behind him was one of the birds that eat dead animals, like this, whatever it is. What are they called? Hawks uh, or like yeah. a eagle or something? No, it was like a hawk, whatever they're called. But it, it was just like following this child everywhere it went because eventually this child's going to die and this bird can, or whatever it is, can, uh, can eat this child. It was just unbelievable, the photo. Anyway, the photographer took the photo and then carried the boy into town, fed him up, you know, got him going, found a home for him. 12 months later, he died of malaria. <sighs> and I think, like, when you get perspective into your heart, then everything can change. However, to your point, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to shift your mindset strong enough for you to be able to cope uh, through your dark days and through your challenges. You know, you're like, yeah, there is people worse off than me, but right now my problems are pretty bad, so I'm just going to sit here and, and woe is me and have a pity party. Like that, that is often how we go about it. So for me, I, I, I'm very much a gratitude guy. So, you know, we have 80,000 thoughts or 70,000 thoughts a day or whatever it is, and 80% of them are negative. Um, so. Yeah, we have, we have 56,000 thoughts a day that are negative. And so it's very easy for us to allow the negative voice to be louder than the positive voice. And, you know, I, I, I like to say that we need to have our why louder than our excuses because if our why is louder than our excuses, if our why is louder than our negative voice, then we have the ability to turn down that volume of negativity and start focusing on the things that are in our control, which allows us to achieve and live a really great life. So I think that this whole gratitude concept is so critical for us to assist in hacking our mindset in empowering us to be able to be more optimistic, more resilient and more fruitful when it comes to being able to uh, cope with the challenges that we face. So I challenge everybody listening. I challenge yourself. I, I do it every single day, every single morning. I, uh, I have eight clients that I work with directly, um, my coaching clients and, I send them a message every morning with the three things that I'm grateful for. I know it's old, it's cliche. A lot of people have heard it. You do it for 21 days, it becomes a habit. I'm sure you're all aware of that. But 
I'm telling you, you begin to stop sweating the small stuff because you begin to focus on a subconscious level in trying to identify the little things that you were grateful for every single morning. And, you know, like I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm unwell often. And when I'm unwell, I'm grateful that I'm one step closer. I'm one day closer to feeling better. When I'm well, I'm super grateful that I'm well. So it's just like shifting such a, a minor thing that can allow us to be grateful for everything. I'm grateful for the, the challenges that my wife and I have had of recent times because it's strengthening our bond in our marriage. Like it's just remarkable how we can just shift our outlook on the challenges that we face in seeing them as blessings as opposed to problems. So to your point, I think a really great hack for us all um, and something that can really have a profound long-term transformation from a mindset point of view and a coping mechanism point of view is simply just sharing every single morning the three things you're grateful for. And for accountability, share it with a friend, share it with a buddy, just say, hey, I want to be really accountable in 2022. I really want to make sure that my mindset is where it needs to be. And I was wondering if you could assist me with that. Sure. How do I do that? Well, I'm going to send you every morning the three things that I'm grateful for. And you're going to send me the three things that you're grateful for every single day. No questions asked. And, you know, like a buddy of mine, we've been doing it now for nearly two years. It'll be two years this coming January. And if you go through my phone, there is a text message every single day for the last 700 odd days uh, between he and I in regards to the three things they're grateful. We, we don't miss. What a way to build a friendship as well. Having a, like a stream of text messages. What a way to stay connected. Yeah. Imagine creating a group of, you know, your closest mates, say five, 10 people. And, and in the group every single day, everyone messages out. I'm grateful for this, 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 like what a way to connect with the, with a friend. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, in the world of social media, we we forget that connection because we're meant to know what Steve and Dave and Jessica and Julie are doing because they put it on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. We're meant to know that. But, you know, we just share our highlights on those pages. We don't share the Well, some people don't share the suffering, you know, and I think with the whole gratitude stuff, we I identify the days that he's having. I understand whether he's hurting or whether he's he's pumping. And for me to be able to understand that and and maybe throw some light at him, do some kind things, random acts of kindness to to serve him when I identify that he's going through it pretty tough. Um, that's that's a really cool thing too. So group chat would be, I think, be incredible. And and what a great time to do it. You know, twenty twenty two right here. That's epic. I love that. And when someone's going through, you know, on a daily daily task, you're doing three things you're grateful for, you know, in the morning or, you know, whatever time you arrange with someone else or just with yourself. When it comes to those dark moments and you're in that that dark pit and you feel like there's nothing that's going to work, is there something that you have to get yourself out of that? I know you might say gratitude, but is there a question or a, a way of looking at things that shifts your state of mind to the positive or to feel better? Yeah, there are, there are two things that I do um, that have had a profound impact on my ability to be able to get through that dark patch. I've got an audio book about it. It's the three steps to mental strength on my website. But it's basically going through the, um, the, the analogy of activation, meditation, appreciation. And the other one is simply moving, sharing, and helping. So if we, 
if we dissect very briefly the activate, meditate, appreciate, I've already touched on the um, appreciate, which is the gratitude stuff. But the other two, I think, are, are so key. And, you know, I, I often get it, you know, that little voice when the alarm goes off that says, hey, you know, it's cold outside or you had a really rough day yesterday, stay in bed or you, you, you can listen to your body and it tells you just stay in bed, you're tired. Um, that activation piece is, is, is key and consistency around activation is key. You can do it for eight days and then have six days off and you may as well have not even started. You may as well because you're right back to where you were. So um, I, I think activation, consistent activation is, is a really key component to be able to deal with, with that hard stuff. And there are many times where I, I'm unwell and I have the inability to exercise, go for a run, lift weights, go for a ride, whatever it is. But So I'll just get up and do a 30-minute stretch routine. I'll do something that allows my mindset to be clear of lying in bed feeling sorry for myself. And the second one is meditation. You know, I, I, I've been very fortunate to work with some really amazing people, some of the highest-paid pro athletes getting paid $30 million a year to, you know, some of the top 10 CEOs in this country. And the one thing that they all have in common is they all meditate. And, you know, I've got to be honest with you, mate, I, I thought – bong smoking hippies that lived in vans that had giant beards that wore <laughs> cotton and burn incense. I thought they were the people that meditated. But now I understand that these people understand what, what it takes to stay and maintain peak performance. And um, the power of meditation has been a remarkable support for me. You know, we have that many thoughts a day. When we meditate, we slow things down a lot. We slow down the thoughts, but we also reduce the volume of the voices in our head that try and steer us in a light that won't allow us or empower us to be the best we can be so meditation has been a game changer for me and you know i love the saying i think it's the dalai lama who said it um uh i think um but regardless it's a great phrase and i'm sure many of you have heard it before he was interviewed and asked um what does meditation give you and he said oh no meditation doesn't give me anything it's about what meditation takes away from me that is so important. Meditation takes away fear, takes away anxiety, it takes away frustration. And that is so powerful in itself. You know, you know the whole, you know, I talk a lot about it on stage and that's about the to stop list. You know, we all have to-do lists. We just add more and more things that we have to do every day and we get more and more anxious about trying to complete a task and the task is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. How about we come up with a to stop list? You know, before the end of the year or, or the start of 2022, come up with a to-stop list. What are the things that you're going to stop doing? And how is that going to free up your memory bank? You know, if, if your phone's getting full with data, you, you delete some photos, you delete some emails, you get rid of some noise that's not allowing your, your, uh, your tools to work as effectively as what you can. But this thing is the same. You know, if you're if your USB stick is getting overloaded, you need to start deleting some of the stuff off your hard drive. And if you can do that with a to-stop list, I, it's, I, it's, a, it's amazing what it can do to help assist you in, in getting greater clarity and freeing up the mind for the things that will serve you greatly. That is awesome. And for those listening as well, we had a guest on a few episodes ago and she was saying um, she was a psychologist from um, – uh, United Arab Emirates. And she was saying that, you know, with meditation, it, it needs to be daily practice. And everyone thinks like, how do I meditate? I can't get my mind free of thoughts, but it's not about that. If you can breathe, you can meditate. It's as simple as that. So what I 
And and for those listening again, if what I did when I started out back in 2012 was just doing breathing, breathing in for four and out for six, activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, for those who are thinking about meditating or, you know, are thinking that it's not possible, just remembering that it is possible and it's simple as breathing. And, and I love that phrase, uh, you need to meditate for 20 minutes a day. And if you're too busy to meditate for 20 minutes a day, then you need to meditate for an hour a day. <laughs> yes, I see that quite. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a definitely a, a must-do for me every single day and also yoga as well. That's a, a life changer, like you said, stretching. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what is your – we don't have to go into this if you don't want to, just let me know – with everything that's happened, you know, all the surgeries and, and all the different events evolving around the medical industry, what are your thoughts on, on the industry and, and how things are handled and, and your experience with it, being so familiar with it, if you would like to share? That's a good question. Um, and I'm not going to be strategic. I'm just going to share my heart. Like I, I wouldn't be here without them, right? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have been able to achieve the things that I've been able to achieve without the remarkable gifts that God has instilled in select individuals on this earth to be able to protect and serve and support. Um, you know, I, I obviously I have great faith and I believe that God has put me on this earth for a reason to be able to, to make an impact and leave a legacy and all of those things. But, you know, I, I find it difficult to comprehend the the dates that people receive when they're really unwell and how long they have. But in saying that, you know, if if I was to give you an end date today, then your tomorrows would be strategically different because you have an end date. But if you have an end date, then that gives you the ability to make sure you wrap things up before the end date. So it gives you the opportunity to tell people how much they mean to you. Tell them how much you love them. You know, I, I, I really love that, you know, we wait until it's too late before we decide to change. We wait until we're diagnosed with lung cancer before we stop smoking. Sadly, we wait until we lose someone that we love before we tell them that we love them. You know, I, I didn't talk to my dad for nearly seven years. And then I found the importance of forgiveness. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I have now a relationship with him because you know, his health is not great and I would hate to have missed the opportunity to, to forgive and move on from the past pain. You know, I, I guess, you know, my dad told me how not to be a dad. He told me how not to be a husband. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for those lessons because I know that those behaviours and those patterns will not follow through into my children because I have been the generational gap. I've broken the cycle in allowing and empowering my kids to, to be able to lead a, a more fulfilled, enjoyable, a more respectful, kind way than, than what I was taught. But, you know, that whole wait until it's too late, I, I challenge everybody on the call, everybody that's listening, just take 30 seconds now and just text somebody and say, I care about you. I love you. Thank you for being a great friend. I guarantee you, I know what they'll write back. They'll write back two words and a question mark. They'll write back, what's wrong? They, they will dead set think that you are dying, you've lost your job, or you're drunk. Because we don't, we don't tell people what they mean to us until it's too late. So, you know, I, I really think it's important that we, 
we don't wait until too late um, before we tell people what they mean to us. And to your question, you know, I, I, I am eternally grateful for what they have done for me and the impact they've had on me. Um, but I'm also really grateful that I have had the opportunity and the education to be able to look elsewhere to find natural ways to be able to serve my ongoing challenges to be able to prevent more challenges in the future. And would you like to share, you know, what some of those natural stuff things are so people can have some resources if, if well, you're. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm open to that. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, what I mean by natural ways is like, I'm really focused on my diet. You know, I've cut out gluten because I understand the impact that that's had. I, I, I don't eat processed meats because I know that that massively, massively increases the chances of me getting bowel cancer. So I, I have chosen to reduce them. Um, I know that exercise releases a lot of dopamine, uh, serotonin, oxytocin, all of those great chemicals that we need to be the best that we can be. So I make sure that I hack into identifying what chemical that I'm missing and ensuring that I go out and proactively do things that are going to empower me to do or receive the hit of chemicals that I need without having to use drugs. Uh, so that's been really helpful. I understand the importance of meditation and how much peace that brings to me. I know that cancer cells grow rapidly when we are in an environment which is induced with massive amounts of stress. So I ensure that meditation assists me in being able to cope more effectively with stress. I ensure that I don't put myself in stressful positions or situations. And if I do, I find myself removing myself very quickly from them. I realize that I don't need to be friends with everybody. I don't need to be best mates with everybody because there are people out there that are going to induce stress into your life and you are going to be emotionally vampired by that individual. So as much as we do a declutter of our cupboard with our clothes, I, you know, I, I've done a declutter of people. That, 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 don't, that don't allow me to be a healthy, happy individual. And unfortunately, sometimes that, um, and I'm sure people are listening, think, oh, what about family? I agree. You know, sometimes it's our family members that are financial and emotional vampires, and we need to do what's right by us because we only have one life, and it's not being selfish. It's about making sure that you're in the best state of mind to be able to serve those that you love the most. And that's some things that I've done um, very effectively over the last 18 months um, to be able to be in a mindset which allows me to serve and support my wife and my son and my daughter and take good care of my mum. And what a blessing, if I can say so. Like it's the hardships we go through, as, as you're saying, like it, you've now doubled down on yourself. Like you've you've put yourself in the most empowering position you can be in. You know, you're meditating, you're eating healthy, you're taking care of your family, you've got a close network of friends by the sound of it. So what, that wouldn't have happened unless you were faced with the situation that you're in. I, I, I agree. And, and saying that whole we must adapt, evolve and embrace change. In 2019, 186 flights, 2020 was in lockdown. I was in isolation for seven months. I wasn't allowed to leave my house. You know, I know mm. that there are some people that have been in lockdown um, around the world, but I literally didn't leave my house with a two-year-old son for seven months. I couldn't go to Woolworths or, or Coles or any grocery store. I couldn't, I couldn't even go out and get my wife a Valentine's Day birthday card or a birthday card or, a, you know, um, and I'm not a great planner. So I realized that it's her birthday 
the day before it's her birthday. And <laughs> because my phone tells me that it's your wife's birthday tomorrow. So good luck ordering something online and getting it to you the same day so you can be ready the next morning, you know. So um, I think, you know, the last 18 months, uh, nearly two years has been has been working inwardly so oh, I yeah. can serve outwardly more effectively. Yeah, I think everyone's had to take a hard look at their their lives in this lockdown. You know, we I didn't I decided not to get vaccinated, so I've been quote unquote in lockdown until was it today the fifteenth, right in Sydney. So just for those listening, we we've been in lockdown since the end of June. If you decide not to get vaccinated, you're in lockdown essentially. I mean, you know, legally, I guess you could say, or not legally, however you want to put it, until today. So that was a incredible opportunity for me to to look at the things that I was doing you know when you're when you're out and about and when it's not locked down it's so funny you said not locked down right you live life how you would always live it and distractions and people and and your job and driving and all these kind of things you're doing on a consistent basis then all of a sudden like that you're in this space of I guess you could say stillness in a sense of movement and I had to take a hard look at myself as well, look at the patterns I'm running in my own life, you know, really address my sleep. That was a big shift for me. And what a difference, by the way, having a good night's sleep makes. Speaking on health before, you can notice a difference between having a good eight-hour sleep and having a six hours. And it's just small. Like you, you might feel a little bit stressed here and there, a little bit more emotional here and there, a little bit more triggered here and there. So what a huge difference sleep makes in, in regards to the health thing. Mm. Massively. And, you know, there's so much science around that and and there's so much um data in being able to educate yourself on being able to get better sleep you know little things like make sure you're not looking at your phone an hour before you sleep an hour before you sleep don't turn the tv on make sure you eat at least two hours to three hours before you go to bed like just little things like that that i to your point have now had an opportunity to read up on and invest in when you're traveling around the world you're just grabbing food whenever you can you're eating whatever you can you you get back to a, a hotel room after a big gig and you know, you, you get invited to red carpet events or award dinners and, you know, you're having your dinner at nine o'clock at night. And I'm used to having mm. dinner at quarter to six at night because I'm in bed at nine o'clock every night, non-negotiable, because I want to make sure that I get a good eight hours sleep, but I'm up early, real early before everybody else gets up so I can get the things done that not everybody else can get done so that I can lead a life that not many people get to lead. So recently I was going through a, a situation where, you know, with, with the insomnia stuff and with the migraines and everything, I was also kind of cutting out all the parts of when it came to health, for example, cutting out, you know, trying to cut out the gluten and, and other things there as well to make a difference in my health. What, what things and what foods do you eat if you'd like to share just for people um, to get an idea on, on how that can impact them? Is it, is it lots of greens? You said also, you know, not having meats. Is a bit more detail we can go into on that one there, if you don't mind. Yeah, a lot more. Uh, my main meal of the day is is my lunch. You know, I make sure that that's my big meal. That's the biggest meal of my day. So this morning I got up. I had hunt. <clears throat> excuse me. Got up very early. I was up at quarter to five. I uh, went for a really long bike ride. Um, then came back and did some weights. And then went for a swim in the pool. And then meditated on an egg chair. So I'm weight free. I'm just floating in the air. Which is, yeah, which is really fun. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, then came in, got the kids ready. You know, they, they're up at quarter to seven. So I want to make sure I get my work done before they're awake because it's a privilege for me to be there when they say, Daddy, 
you know, I, for a long time I was away. So now to, to have put my son to bed every single night since June of this year is such a beautiful gift, right? So I've had that chance. Uh, I had some homemade granola with some yogurt and some fruit, um, homemade yogurt as well. We, we don't buy the stuff from the, the store because we want to make sure we know what's in there. Um, yeah, some really good fruits, blueberries, strawberries, uh, bananas, and then uh, some nuts. And then for lunch, we had a, um, we had a uh, not an omelette, but a, um, a quiche, homemade quiche. So we had a beautiful big quiche for lunch with a salad. Um, I'm not sure what's on the uh, on the agenda tonight, but trying to uh, definitely remove sugars. You know, I, it's amazing. We went away um, down to Scott's Head last week for four nights and my wonderful mother-in-law was there and she likes sweets. So for four nights, we had dessert after dinner every night for four nights. And it was like Magnum ice creams and whatever else it was. And as I'm sure you all know, it, you, you activate your sugar brain. And for four nights in a row, it's very well activated. So on day five, when we got back here, we had dinner. And as soon as we finished dinner, before we even put the kids down, I was walking through the cupboard trying to find chocolate, trying to find a biscuit, trying to find anything that has sugar in it. Not that I needed it, not that I was hungry. It's just that I'd activated my sugar brain for four days. So uh, we make sure that we are very mindful of our sugar brain and our sugar intake, even more so uh, on what time of day we in, in, incorporate sugar into our diet. So, you know, my, my four-year-old, he's never, he's never had chocolate. He's had a lot of cacao where, you know, we, we had a beautiful chocolate cake for his birthday and all these kids ate it and they had no idea that it wasn't a chocolate cake. It was like zucchini with cacao and like banana and carrot, you know. So it was, um, it's crazy the alternatives that you can do when you look into focusing on your health as opposed to convenience. And people say, oh, it's easy for you because X, Y, and Z. No, no, like we we have two crazy kids and, you know, we're I'm, I'm working, doing podcasts and doing live events um, via Zoom and all those sort of things. In fact, we I have my first live event tomorrow in front of an actual crowd, so I'm going to have to wear pants tomorrow, which is going to be kind of weird because <laughs> I've got a nice shirt on today, but I've got, no, I've got shorts on. You know, uh-huh. as soon as we finish this call, I'm running straight out because my – my wife's trying to be quiet outside with the two kids because they're swimming in the pool. And all I can think of is I'm in this recording studio, which is very, very hot. And I can't wait to dive in that pool, you know? <laughs> so um, just, just be, just be mindful, you know, like I love that. I, you know, I don't swear, so it's difficult to say this, but you know, I, I try and think to myself, is this fueling me or is this effing me? That is just the mindset that I have on everything that I consume. Is this, is this going to be good for me? Give me the right energy. Give me great health, or is it not? You know, if I give you a Ferrari, are you going to put, you know, the cheap ethanol fuel in it, or are you going to put the ninety-eight percent premium in it? You're going to you're going to obviously put the good stuff in because it's worth more. It's it's a valued asset. Yet you're worth so much more than a Ferrari. Yet you put junk, you put you put you know cordial into the fuel tank instead of fuel into the fuel tank, and you wonder why. You're tired. You wonder why you're lethargic. You wonder why you can't sleep. You wonder why you, you know, you make bad decisions and mm. you know you, your health suffers. You, you wonder why that is. It's because all the junk you're putting in is now coming out, and your body's just saying, "Please help me." So maybe that can be the New Year's resolution to to identify everything that goes to your mouth is this fueling me or or is this effing me? And also, not only what goes in here, what goes in here, and what goes in here. Like I haven't watched the news since I think. June. Yeah, you don't want to watch the news. 
yeah, I, cho- I just choose not to because all of that stuff is out of my control and I'm not going to sit around with anxiety and fear and uncertainty which are going to rub off on my kids um, to not be the best the best I can be. You know, I, I don't even let my kids see me on my phone. Like I, I, I want them to know that they are the most important person in the world. My son will never see me write an email. He will never see me text somebody because he, he and my daughter are the reason why I get out of bed when my body tells me to stay in. Well, you're the best that ever. That's, that's awesome. Thank you, mate. I wanted to ask we would, a few more questions and we'll wrap it up so you can go jump in the pool. Wow, that pool, man. Now I'm <laughs> the pool. All I can think of is how it's going to be good to jump off the waterfall. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't keep you too much longer. Just a, a few more questions. I wanted to ask when you're talking about, um, you know, putting stuff in your, in your, in your mouth and your ears and your, we're not putting stuff in there, but, <laughs> but uh, making sure you have the right things going in. Have you heard of Joe Dispenza before? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Have you have you listened, seen his work and the stuff that he does? Yeah, I, I try and listen to a diverse range of individuals. Um, mm. But yeah, there is. Uh, I guess there's so much content from so many different people around the world that we just need to identify what sits well with us. And I, I can't say I'm a I'm a mad study or a crazy fan, but you know I I've certainly consumed some information um, from so many different people and now I guess I'm just at a place where I like to cherry pick the things that are going to serve me the best and uh, and and try and consume that as much as I can yes yeah, so I, I read two of his books and he um, you know it might sound spiritual and woo-woo and whatnot but he on his events he does like healing cages and all these different things where where people who've had um, staged, I think stage three cancer or like being close to a point of no return. And they, they went to these events and they, you know, a few months later, they completely healed. Um, so I just thought it was worth mentioning. Maybe it's, it's worth looking into if you haven't, but um, yeah, I've, I've heard some incredible stuff, like people having like, you know, the same thing that you're saying that when you're younger, like those kind of things, and they go to these events and raise their frequency and, and do all this frequency kind of work and they can really change forever. Yeah, there's a great there's a great uh, book called the the journey, and she um, she worked heavily with Tony Robbins, and she had a mass that spread throughout her body, and you know she was she was definitely going to die, and um, through the power of visualization and meditation, um, you know she she claims to have healed herself, and you know I think there's so many different levels and so many different layers that we as human beings have not been exposed to or have the inability to have faith in believing in what can be done. So we don't venture down that path, but even, you know, like you said, like the power of meditation and yoga and, you know, people like, Oh, that's that sort of mumbo jumbo hippie stuff. But you don't know unless you know, and the only way you know is if you try. And when you try, you, you open up doors that you didn't realize were possible you know crazy story the other day i i hadn't been fishing in a long time and uh, i did a tv show on ice fish so i was away filming for that and i don't think i've been fishing since and last friday a good buddy of mine he's like hey do you want to go fishing i was like all right whatever let's let's rock and roll i'm not much of a fisherman and it's calm in the ocean so let's go because you know i get seasick in a pond so he took me out and we went fishing and Mel didn't tell my son where I'd been. 
um, he just she just said, "Oh, Daddy's out with a buddy." And then I got home late. He was asleep already. He woke up the next morning, and I went in. I gave him a cuddle, and and I said, um, "You know what? What did you dream about?" And he said, "Oh, I dreamed that you were fishing, and you caught a rainbow fish." Wow. I went fishing, and the first fish I caught was an enormous rainbow fish, and it's like wow. on my social media pages, and like so just. Yes, that was just maybe a one-off fluky thing, but, you know, I always talk about acknowledging coincidences and the importance of acknowledging coincidences. You know, I, I did a fundraiser for a charity that I'd never heard of called the Miracle Babies Foundation on the 8th of December in 2017. Never heard of them before. Uh, you know, I was wrapped up for the year. The last thing I wanted to do was a charity event at a pub, but I did it. We raised 10 grand or 12 grand or something. And then four days later, my wife went into labor and my son was wheeled into ICU level three, looked like he wasn't going to make it. And I was literally lying on the hospital floor in Sydney at Randwick, crying my eyes out as this alone, lost man that couldn't take my little boy's pain away. And I felt this beautiful, soft hand on my shoulder. And she says, oh, hey, Michael, I'm such and such. I'm the CEO of the Miracle Babies Foundation. We're going to take care of your little boy. Come with me. Wow. Like four days later, a charity that I'd never served before, never impacted before, never heard of before, was now carrying the weight and the burden of my pain. And I think that message is so powerful for all of us to understand that we must give without remembering and receive without forgetting. And we must, we must give expecting nothing in return because I think that is when we begin to see the fruits of our labor. That's awesome. And I think as well that, you know, as much as life can kick you down and keep kicking you down, it can also lift you up as well. Yeah, and that amen. can always just be around the corner. Yeah. Amen. So last couple of questions. If you could leave behind one thing, one bit of advice, one bit of information to the, for the world or, you know, one thing that needs to change, it could be anything. What would it be? I think for people to understand that through great darkness, that is our discovery moment. We do not discover how unfair our life is, but rather we discover how powerful we have been created. So I would love for people to understand that we need to welcome adversity into our life because we need to have the mindset to believe that through great adversity will bring great strength, through, through great strength will build great courage, and through great courage will build a wonderfully fulfilled life. So I I would like to leave the world having people reflect on my journey and have that underlying knowledge of we will become better people because of the pain that we have experienced. Life is not unfair because we have experienced darkness. We now have an advantage over others because we have dealt with darkness. That's beautiful. Michael, thanks so much for joining. My pleasure, mate. Take care. Cheers. Thank you, beautiful people, for listening to another episode of the Getting Mental Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, follow, and share it with your friends and family. If you would like to see more of the Getting Mental Podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or on every social media platform. You can find us at Getting Mental Podcast. Until next time. Oh,